at a Walmart that was not very near my house because my father also worked at Walmart, so I had to work somewhere else. So it was a 30-minute trek to go pull in these shopping carts every time I went to Walmart. And this particular January, the temperature was single digits. That doesn't happen often in Texas, anywhere. The wind chill was negative double digits, and my job was to go pull in the shopping carts from the parking lot. And so they let me go into the clothing area and grab as many things as I could to layer up as many times as I wanted to try to stay warm. Needless to say, that's about seven layers of Texas-shaped clothing because it's not very thick that you get there. I got to go outside, and here were my thoughts. What am I doing here? Why am I doing this? And why are these crazy people shopping right now? And I understand why you're leaving the carts out, but really, today of all days, can you just throw it in a stall or something somewhere? That was my first job. taught me a lot. Do you remember your first job? Remember the first time you got a check and you wondered who FICA was and why they were getting so much of your money? And it didn't make any sense, but you got your first check, and it was an exciting day. I have a question for you. Do you love your work now? The thing that you do now, whatever that may be, do you love what you do? Look at this line on the screen. I'm going to ask you to raise a finger or two or three or four or five, but all the way from one, no, get me out of my work, I don't want to be here, to yes, I love what I'm doing, I can't believe they pay me to do this. Three, we can say, I don't really like my job, but I don't hate it either. I'm not running away from it. Where are you? I want everyone to lift one hand with a finger or five or three or two or four and show me. Do it, everybody, if you have one. Okay. That's a lot of big numbers around the room. Article I just read said that 70% of you should have said one. Gallup did a poll, and it said that 70% of Americans hate their job, would rather be just about anywhere else than doing what they are currently doing. There's a book entitled, it's been on the bestseller forever, it's called The 4-Hour Workweek. We, we celebrate shortcuts. We do a lot of things to try it. I get emails weekly, or daily almost. Do this, make this much money with this little effort and this little time. I want to click every time, thinking, surely this is the one, surely this is the one. Now I've got that spam-filtered workout, and so it's not getting in my inbox anymore. Mike Rowe, anybody know this guy, Dirty Jobs guy? He has been on a crusade the last few years, speaking to anyone who would listen, including the U.S. Senate, about Americans' avoidance of hard work, how we as Americans tend to try to find the easiest way to the most stuff. And then just a few weeks ago, this guy, Ashton Kutcher, stands up at the Teen Choice Awards. I don't watch the Teen Choice Awards because I want to. I watch them because I need to, just to kind of, you know, see what's going on. And Ashton Kutcher has won an award every year for as long as he's been alive. And he got up and he said, I'm going to be brutally honest. And the first thing he said, when my, my real name is not Ashton, it's Chris. And then the second thing he said was, opportunity looks like a whole lot of hard work. And he went through these three things, and it started with that one, to this group of thousands of teenagers to hear this. And it was a fantastic, if you have a moment to go find that acceptance speech, do it. Work is a topic that we could talk about a lot, and it's obviously all around us. But today we get to talk about things just a little bit differently. And I realize that in this room there's 
a lot of different opinions about work. Some of us don't have work, and we wish that we could get work. Some of us have work, and we want more of it, and then just a little bit more of it after that, and maybe a little bit more after that. Workaholics. Some of us, because I've talked with you, have the work, would love to have less of it. And some of us, I think, have found right where we belong. We get the sense that we're doing exactly what God has called us to do, what God has asked of us to do in this world. And that's the place that's hard to find. Do you know someone who truly loves their work? Maybe they're sitting beside you. Maybe you're married to that person. Maybe that person wakes up next to you in the morning and and jumps out of bed on a Monday morning because they're excited to get to work. Anybody have one of those in their house? No, Mondays are never like that, no matter how much you like your job. The answer is no. But there are those people that you know. What is it that they love about their work? And do you find yourself saying, I wish I loved my work just half as much as that person? I wish I enjoyed work as much as that person did. Today we're going to talk about a theology of work, how God has led us to the place where we have the privilege of working. In your worship guide, there's a passage. I'm not sure where it is because things got switched up this week. So if you have that piece of paper, it's not going to be on the screen for you. It's in Genesis 2 because there's a phrase where we're going to camp out and we're going to break off of it a little bit. Chapter 2 of Genesis, starting the last half of verse 4. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth, and no herb of the field had had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground. And that's all I put there for you. I realize there's no verb there in that. That's a good sentence fragment that you have in your worship guide. And the reason is, that's the phrase I want to look at. No one to till the ground. God had no one to till the ground. And so, turn back one page to Genesis 1. Who did God bring to till the ground? Chapter 1, verse 26 in Genesis. And God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. God made man and woman to till the ground to take care of what God had created. God knew that workers would be needed. And God's act of creation wasn't finished until humans were part of the equation. Do you get that? God's work wasn't done until those who were going to till were on the planet, were on the earth. What does this mean for us? We're created in the image of God which is a creative image. God is a creator. God is a worker. Not just for those six days, but now God is a worker. Created in the image of God, we are workers. And here's what we have to hear. And please don't check out as I say it. The people that you work with that get on your very last nerve, they're created in the image of God too. And you think, there's no way that's possible. You don't know this person. They don't know who God is. Maybe not. They're created in the image of God. And as part of our act of tilling the ground, we are called to love that which is created. Those people that we work with, our employees, our bosses, I know. 
your customers, called to work with them in such a way as to let the love of God flow through us into that work, into those relationships. And if you think it's hard working with the people you work with, think about those around here who work with me and the people that I work with here. Think about that for a second. Now, a few years ago, I worked for a pastor. And I say for because I did not work with this man at all. He was at our church for a total of seven months. That's hard to do as a pastor. You have to want to get out of there in seven months if you're going to do that. He was very passionate about his job. So much so that he demeaned anyone who wasn't passionate about the exact same things that he was. And he ran off person after person that was working at this church. I hung in there. And then I think of someone else that I worked with who taught me that my input was needed. Who taught me that in my work, what I thought mattered. Have you ever felt like that at your job? That's a big step when you get to that point. When someone comes for your opinion and it matters and it's done that way, that's a big moment. Living in Houston, what often happens is lots of rain. It rains every afternoon in the summer. But there are some times when that rain becomes just a little bit more. And so on one particular occasion, it rained so much that cars were stuck in every road that I could take to get home. Every possible escape from midtown Houston to where we lived was solid underwater with vehicles in the way. I could not get home. I'm thankful that I worked with someone who treated me in such a way as to say, hey, just come stay at our house. We're just right down the road. It's an apartment, but you can have the couch or whatever. We can make this work. I'm thankful to work with the kind of person then who let me just kind of become part of their family for the day. And I just barely made it home the next day. The water stuck around and it rained some more. I mean, you can imagine. I'm hoping that you work with someone or that you know someone who would gladly take you in in a moment's notice when situations like that happen. What a difference it makes when we get to spend time working with people that we enjoy. Like I said, we, we often spend time with those people that we can't really understand or want to be around. And the person who first said the customer is always right obviously didn't spend much time with your customers because they're not always right. And we know that. But can you imagine how the workplace might change if we were to consider the fact that just as we are made in the image of God, so are they. And if rather than trying to please them and, and do, you know, do those kind of, how about we just serve them? As part of a theology of work, God has created us in his image. God has created us in a way to serve the others around us who are also created in that image. And then if you look down in chapter 2, just a little further, to verse 15 of Genesis, there's two words I want us to camp out on for just a second. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. Till and keep. Those are the words. Now these words that you see on the screen, till and keep, are also the words used later in the Old Testament in Genesis along with other places to refer to worship. Think about your work as worship and keeping God's commandments. Till and keep are also used throughout the Old Testament as words that mean worship and keeping his commandments. Now, to put these two together, there was a commercial 
a few years ago during the Super Bowl that caught my attention, and I managed to grab it so that we can watch a piece of this. So take a look at this and see if this doesn't sound like work equaling worship. When I was younger, my granddad took me out into his garden, out into the fields of hay, and I got to bale hay. That's how you say that, bale hay. And pick the corn and shuck the corn and dig up the potatoes and all those kind of things. I can assure you I never considered it worship, but after watching this, I want to be a farmer somehow. Some of you are. Some of you have those gardens in your backyards, and you do wonderful things and know how to do all that. I'm the least handy person that I know, and I manage to kill everything in sight, including the plants that you just leave in the window and you just water daily a little bit. I managed to kill those. That didn't feel like a whole lot of worship when I was in the field with my granddad. I never asked for money. I was never paid for it. I have a feeling if I had asked for money, he would have laughed and sent me back out to the fields and left me there till dark. (laughs) Just because he could and because I would. No other reason. I want to be the person who's responsible for building up, for shepherding, for taking things that haven't yet shaped and moving them towards what God has for them. And then I remember... I do that. You do that. In whatever your work is, you take things that aren't yet and you create them into something wonderful and something beautiful. Because God has placed you in the place, in that work where you are. We have this privilege of work and the question is, what do we do with this privilege? Have you ever thought of your work as a way to worship? I wonder if Mike Rowe, as he is filming his show... In all those places, if you ever watch this show, he goes in some pretty disgusting places. If you ever thought of that as a way to worship. From listening to several of his interviews about all of this, I would think that he did. So the question is, how in the world do we worship as we work? Well, we've talked about it already. Last week we talked about worship as our response to who God is. And I feel like if we are to be in our workplace, wherever that may be, treating those relationships that we have with our customers and with our coworkers and with our bosses and employees as the images of God that they are, that is a way of worship. When we are in the fields doing the very best that we can to take care of what God has created, we are worshiping. When you sit at a desk and you type and type and type and type and things are produced and decisions are made because of that, there's a way to create that as a worshipful experience should we decide that it's going to be a worshipful experience. If you're in school and your job is to make the grades, to get the degree, you can find a way for that to be worship. There's a way to do things with excellence. There's a way to do things in a way that represent your creator to show God how much you appreciate all that God has blessed you with. There's a way to do that. And that leads me to ask this question. Are you working in the place where you love it so much you just can't believe that they pay you to do this? You find such joy in what you do that you are glad to take a check But it'd be okay if they decided not to, because you love what you do. You have purpose in what you do. I've asked Ashley Armstrong to share with us today a little bit about her work and how she finds it. So 
I love my job. And um, one reason I love my job is that I get to relieve stress while I do my job. Do any of you get to relieve stress at work? Yeah, it's awesome. You should try it. It's awesome. Um, That's one reason, and I understand that not everyone gets that luxury. Um, Another reason I love my job is that I get to work with people. Do any of you work with people in your jobs? Raise your hand if you do. Yeah, that one's probably more relatable. Um, As the band sang to us, if we really believe that it's his breath in our lungs and that this is his body, um, first, I'm a personal trainer. I should have told you that. Sorry. I'm a personal trainer. So if we really believe that it's his breath in our lungs and that this is his body and and we're borrowing it, then it's important how we treat it. That's kind of how I believe. So if we borrowed something from a friend and uh, we got it all dirty and made it worse than when they gave it to us and we gave it back, that probably wouldn't be very kind to the person who let us borrow it. So that's kind of how I feel about our bodies um, in terms of them being gods and him letting us borrow them for a time. So I find joy in my work because I really believe that what's going on on the outside, whether we're underweight or overweight or just right, um, is a reflection of what's going on on the inside. And I think it's important to help people realize that. Um, Not always. There are a few exceptions to that rule. But I think it's important... um, in my job to, for someone to come to me and say they just want to lose, you know, five, sometimes it's like 60 pounds and I have to explain to them it's not physically possible to do that the right way in three weeks. Um, but, you know, they, a lot of people come to me with that problem. So I love when people come to me wanting just to lose a few pounds and in three weeks they're more confident, they feel more powerful, they feel more empowered, um, they stand taller. Um, because I, I try to get people to realize that um, what's going on on the outside is also a reflection of the inside. And so it's, in, it's so much fun for me to watch people um, become more confident and to um, be empowered to be a better version of themselves. I feel like God's and, and Jesus especially has asked us um, to live life fully. And I think it's hard to live life fully when we aren't reaching our potential physically. Um, but I believe those things are all connected. So uh, it's, it's really fun for me, though, to minister to people um, in a way that helps them reach their potential. Um, and I know that you guys can do that in your jobs, too. Because if you work with people, you can help them reach their full potential, whether that's having them do squats or, um, you know, checking them out at a cashier register. I think it's important that we recognize that life is a gift. Um, It's borrowed. And it's important how we treat ourselves and how we treat other people. So I find great joy in my work because I relieve stress while I do it. And uh, I'm sorry. You you should find a way to relieve stress while you work. Um, It's awesome. And then also because I get to watch people grow and reach their potential. Thank you. We are created in the image of God, an image which is creative, an image which leads us to work, to till and to keep that which God has created. And these words, till and keep, remind us that work can be worship. 
It's a venue where we can respond to God with who we are while we work. We can treat the relationships we have through our work as vitally important, part of who we are. And by doing this, I think we can find joy. In whatever it is that you do, we can find joy. And sometimes we forget to do just what God did on that seventh day, rest. God worked and God rested and set apart that seventh day of creation as a day of holiness, a day of rest, a day when work can thought of can be thought of as done, even though there's always more. We get to look around us and spend time in a way that refreshes and reinvigorates. Our work never ends. There's always something else to do, but our rest never seems to catch up. How about we find ways to get back to that place? Whether it's that special chair in your house, or the swimming pool in the backyard, or the hiking trail or on top of the mountain, or just in your car with the music so loud you can barely stand it. Some people rest that way, I'm not sure how. There's got to be somewhere where you can get back to find that rest. Because I think only with rest can we truly work in the way that God has created us to work. And at its very core, your work is essential to us. Back in the beginning, families were responsible to accomplish everything for their existence by themselves. To hunt, to farm, to build, to sow, to cook, to clean and everything else, until one day someone noticed that their family was better at farming and not quite so good at building, and so they decided to barter with the family down the street who was really good at building but couldn't farm, and they decided, if we give you extra food, will you come and help us build this house? And so they did, and our understanding of work was born. Everyone benefited, and then something happened. We lost our focus, and work became about me, and not us. And work became selfish. Work became that thing through which we make money so that we can do the things that we need or that we think we need to do. How about we get back to the kind of work that we've talked about this morning, the kind that God has called us to as people who are created in the image of God. I want to invite you to pray with me. And as we pray, I want you to think through your daily routine at work. Where are the moments of worship for you? And if you can't find them, let's work on that. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for the places that you have put us, for the jobs that we have, for the jobs that are out there waiting for us. God, I pray that uh, as we begin to think through a worshipful work experience, what that would look like for us. Help us, God, to respond to you in whatever way that may be in our places of work. God, we thank you that you trust us with these gifts and these talents and the abilities that you have. And God, I pray that we wouldn't take them for granted, that we would choose to hand them over to you to see what you might do with them through us.